This is my instant reaction for Violent Night? This is my instant reaction for Violent Night. The assistant managers over at patreon.com slash binge movies voted for me to include spoilers, so I will attempt to do so to the best of my ability, but this is one of those films that is what you see is what you get. It is more or less exactly what you think it's going to be going into the movie. It is essentially an SNL sketch stretched out into roughly about an hour and a half, plus or minus some change, uh, of a film. Uh, it's really, I guess, what you would call sort of like a, uh, a two-star concept directed with three-star ability with some four-star performances. That is my perfect summary for Violent Night. This comes from the same gentleman uh, who made Dead Snow and Dead Snow, Dead Reckoning, or wh whatever it is, Blood in the Snow or whatever, um, and a bunch of really kind of off-kilter little parody movies. This is by far his best work. I would also say this is maybe, maybe David Harbour's best performance. Certainly probably his best performance in a big screen. Um, between him and the little girl that plays Gertrude, a.k.a. Trudy, um, there's some actual likable, semi-sweet semi even, believable kind of performances. It's equal parts Bad Santa as it is Ernest Saves Christmas, as it is Die Hard and Die Hard 2, Die Harder as it is Home Alone. So if you took all of those Christmas cliches, all of those things that we know so well, and you jumbled it all together, and you made Santa Claus John McClane, wrong guy, wrong place, um, this is essentially what the movie is. The central premise revolves around a extraordinarily wealthy family of assholes who um, are gathering at their mother, who is played by Beverly D'Angelo, uh, gathering at her house for Christmas, and um, uh, John Leguizamo and some terrorist uh, mercenaries, thieves, whatever you want to call them, show up, hold them hostage. They're billionaires, you know, uh, and so they want to rob them for Christmas. Uh, they're after some money. And uh, it just so happens that this is all, all goes down when a disenfranchised Santa Claus, the very real Santa Claus, uh, is uh, delivering gifts. And he's thinking... As in, they do in all these movies, the magic is fading. People, kids don't believe in me as much as they used to. And so I'm, I'm probably going to have to hang it up after this year. Um, and he, he arrives at the house and drowns his sorrows. And the plot ensues from there. The best parts of this movie come down to the little girl and David Harbour. And if the movie had revolved a little bit more around them than it already does, I think it would bump up the final score for me. We get the family, and, and the whole time I'm sitting there thinking, okay, it's a family that you've seen before. It's a little bit like Krampus. It's a little bit like Ready or Not. It's a little, like these kind of people, right? They're billionaire, millionaire, asshole, sycophant sort of people. I don't recognize a single one of them other than Beverly D'Angelo. Um, I don't recognize them. I'm sure they're all fine actors, and they've worked in television and movies a million times. But immediately what you begin to notice is between them and the henchmen and the goons, the, for the most part, the adult actors they got to star in this movie are not very good. 
and the material that they're given is not very good. And the editing is not very good. The direction really is kind of perfunctory. And the whole time I'm watching, I'm sitting there thinking, man, if, if, if they had just taken this scene and done this a little slicker here or a little grittier here, a little more grindhousey there, or a little bit more polished here, um, then a lot of these tropes and cliches that they're sort of pointing out and a lot of these caricatures would feel a lot livelier and the movie would feel, uh, it would feel punchier. Um, that's the whole time I'm really wanting this movie not to be darker, but to be a little bit more kinetic. And the movie never reaches a fully kinetic pace. It never reaches that pace of, um, I'm trying to think of the, everything everywhere all at once has a particular scene. And I know that's a very high bar, but has a very particular scene in the IRS offices. And it involves an insertion of something in a place that you wouldn't think you'd normally see it. And the wackiness of what you have to do with certain things to unlock certain abilities to be able to get through certain scenarios, right? Um, that kind of frenetic energy is what this movie needed, or a little bit more. It needed more sort of dark. Dark isn't the right word, but a little bit more dark comedy, a little bit of dark horror comedy to it, a, l- a little bit more um, uh, fun, in particular for the uh, for the cast of also Rans who are in this movie, because we focus on them. I won't say equally, but within darn near equal proportion that we focus on John McClane Santa Claus and that we focus on this little girl. And if the terrorists don't work right or the, the bad guys don't work right, and if the family doesn't really work right, it, 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 or you're not really, if we're going to spend so much time with them, that need, that whole, that stuff needs to be better. The, the actors need to be better the satire or the spoofing or the taking the piss out of certain caricatures needs to be a little bit sharper. Um, It's very clear that all of the attention to detail went into some of the Santa Claus stuff. And that is ultimately what you're there for, right? If you're going to see a movie called Violent Night, you are there for the Santa Claus kicking the shit out of people. You are there for David Harbour as Santa Claus, you know, bludgeoning bad guys. That's what you're there for. The movie delivers when it comes to Santa Claus bludgeoning bad guys. It never quite reaches the pace that it could. And again, two-star concept, three-star execution, some four-star performances from David Harbour and the little girl. It's like you see what the movie could have been, at least if you're me, and the entire time you're like, I like this, and I, but I want to love it. I like it, but I want to, I want to have an uproarious time with it. I want it to be a little bit smarter and cheekier and clever and faster paced. I want what it's doing just done a little bit better. I think that just comes down to direction. I think that comes down to screenplay. Um, and I think that comes down to budget kind of. Um, so anyway, you know, my go-to for that sort of kinetic energy is obviously Edgar Wright. Although his last movie didn't really show that. But I look at that and I go, okay. Like... What does like the, if this movie had not the tone, not the comedic comedic sensibilities, but the energy of Hot Fuzz? How much better could it be? To me, it would almost be like instant classic status. In instead, where it lies for me is it ends up being uh, just 
a pretty fun time. I had a smile on my face. I got some good laughs. Most of them come from David Harbour. Um, he has a lot of really kind of low-key, kind of funny asides to himself that are, that are uh, very charming. And at the same time, the movie still retains, even though it's kind of cynical in some aspects, kind of a sentimental core to it. Um, yeah, so I, I don't know. I think there's some elements that are a little bit half-baked, but the, the, the core thing that you're going to for this movie, it is fun. It is enjoyable. I would recommend it. Uh, I'll get into spoilers here on the other side of this break. Um, but before I do, I would say, you know, on these instant reactions, I try to use a letterboxed scoring system, which is five stars. On the ranking episodes, I use 10 points or however you want to put it. Uh, and uh, on other things I do, I use the thumbs up, thumbs down. I use them all. So from the letterbox score, I think I give this one like a very strong three. Letterboxd has like half points. So I couldn't do a quarter. Be like, it's, it's, the three feels too low. Three and a half kind of feels a little high. Uh, but like three and a quarter feels about right. So I, I would say like if I have to stick to letterbox, which I don't because it's all arbitrary. But for the sake of this, I'd say 3.5 stars. 3.5 stars and a recommend. Um, it's not necessarily beat down the door to get to the theater to go see it. On the other, because I, I just, I know by like pretty much by Christmas, this is going to be on Peacock would be my guess. Um, yeah, at the same time, you know, if we want kind of these kind of mid-tier movies, they're a little bit cheeky, then you might want to support it in the local theater. And also, I think if you, if you get a good audience, it might elevate your, if people are really digging it, that energy might feed your enjoyment of it. So it might play better with a lively audience than watching it at home. So uh, fun stuff. Uh, definitely recommend. Uh, use your discretion on how you spend your money. 3.5 stars. I will be back with spoilers right after this break. Looking for even more unique and creative movie content? Become a patron. Choose between three levels and you'll get benefits like a personalized membership card, exclusive shows, early instant reactions to new releases, episode voting power, live streams, and more. Join today. Patreon.com slash binge movies. Tough one to spoil this one. Um, they try to put a little subterfuge in the movie. Basically, here's the premise. Beverly D'Angelo has a son named Jason. Uh, he has a wife who I do not remember the name of. He has a daughter named Gertrude. Uh, Beverly D'Angelo is the matriarch of this billionaire family. She is also Gertrude. Uh, she also Gertrude Sr., I guess. But Beverly D'Angelo's Gertrude has also has a daughter, which is Jason's sister. She is dating this Mark Wahlberg kind of stand-in. Uh, and they. she also has a son who is, uh, instead of named Gertrude, he's named Bertrude, which is obviously not a real name. Because everybody's trying to kiss ass to Beverly D'Angelo. And he is like a Jake Paul, Logan Paul kind of influencer wannabe vlogger guy. And I don't think anything about that character lands. I think it's an easy target, and they still fucking miss it. It's just it, the, the, the kid that they got to do it is fucking atrocious. Um, all of the goons, <sighs> the goons are bad. The goons are actually bad in this. Uh, so she's having a Christmas party, and uh, we have the cliche of mom and dad 
Uh, Jason and his wife are separated or whatever the case. It's kind of unclear. Like, she's his husband, but they're not together. But are they already divorced? They separated. We don't spend any time with that. We just get the basic gist of, like, yeah, you've seen Christmas cliches before. And there is a little girl stuck in the middle. The little girl is... um, uh, the little girl is all she wants for Christmas, of course, is her for her family to reconcile. And uh, they all get caught up in this hullabaloo because all of the caterers and staff in this particular mansion, other than security, turn out to be bad guys. They turn out they've already infiltrated. They turn out to be bad guys. And they are there to uh, get their hands on some money. Uh, the leader of this is John Leguizamo, who has a personal passion and hatred for Christmas for reasons that we go into a little bit. Um, and uh, there's a kill squad or an extraction team that I would assume billionaires have. I don't know. But this movie seems to think they have those people who are on the way. But in the meantime, the family's being like roughed up and tortured. Not nearly enough. There's a lot of static... They're not really doing very much. They just sort of have this family once everything goes down, just kind of in one room and the movie keeps cutting back to them. But the script for that stuff is like half baked. And so nothing really happens. And there's like a couple lines of dialogue here and there. And it's, it's never like really uproariously funny or even mildly charming other than watching Beverly D'Angelo get punched in the face. Um, There's not really much to it. There's, there's, it's like we keep cutting back to it, but it just, it's there because we it services the engine of the plot, and that's it. But it almost feels like they're like, hey, look how funny we're being. Look at these people, and look at these lines, and it's not funny. But every time it cuts back to David Harbour and his misadventures, it is either, like, sentimental. Like, he, he carries it very well. Like, you, when it's supposed to be more sentimental, you believe in him. When it's supposed to be more kind of silly, dark, cynical comedy, you believe in it. When it's supposed to be more very purposely kind of corny, you believe in it like he executes at a very high level and the heart of it ends up being the little girl gets away. She's got a little walkie talkie, which uh, her, her parents have given her to talk to Santa Claus. Turns out Santa Claus is actually there and he ends up tuning in the frequency and kind of like Al Powell and John McClane and they talk their way through the movie together. And all that stuff is really cute and really works uh, in my opinion. Um, and then in the meantime, Santa Claus is like having to learn how to, um, uh, defend himself and kill these people and attack the bad guys. And it, the big reveal uh, for this Santa Claus is that it turns out he's basically the Northman. He was a Viking kind of berserker who <laughs> had a sledgehammer and went around and just cr- cracked skulls. There's no further explanation as to his origin or where he comes from or whatever. That's basically where that's piecemeal throughout the movie. And then how did he end up becoming the Santa Claus? Don't know. Maybe the one before him fell off a roof. Who knows? Uh, This is a completely different origin. He's not St. Nicholas. He's a completely other kind of character. Uh, And he's been Santa Claus for 1,100 years. And, uh, yeah. So, um, of course, he, you know, saves the day. There's a great bit at the end with John Leguizamo and a chimney, which is absolutely fantastic. And I think if the movie had strung more clever moments like that together uh, and more been a little bit more clever with the family stuff we keep cutting back to, again, I think we're in kind of instant classic territory. Instead, it's just a, a pretty solidly fun 
time at the theater, writing almost entirely on the shoulders of David Harbour, um, who's great. Um, uh, there's a twist in it, which is, you know, they have a vault in the basement, which is a copyright infringement, if you ask me, on binge movies. They had a vault in the basement. Beverly D'Angelo has absconded with $300 million of dirty money, dark money, and um, and they somehow know about it. And there was an informant in the family, and that never pays off. It's kind of a red herring, but it ends up going nowhere. And when they finally crack the safe, a la Die Hard, the money is gone. And come to find out, Jason was going to steal the $300 million, try to reconcile with his wife, and get out from under the financial thumb of Beverly D'Angelo, who plays a world-class CNX Tuesday. Um, all this stuff, again, ends up kind of being half-baked and wrapped up semi-neatly in a way that doesn't really make a lot of sense. Um, I think it almost would have been a little bit better if Turns out the dad who's trying to get back together with the mom at Christmas is the guy who ends up being the insider that gives Leguizamo the information. Um, instead, it's the Kill Squad guy is the insider. And that whole piece doesn't make a ton of sense either because the Kill Squad guy ends up having a skeleton key to unlock the vault. How did he have that? But he does, whatever. But the entire rest of the movie, they're trying to crack the vault. Why do you need to crack it if you're just waiting for the guy to arrive with the key? Blah, blah, blah. Uh, at the end of the day, it's about watching Santa Claus murder people. And in that instance, it's better than Silent Night, Deadly Night uh, by a long mile. So, uh, fun movie. At the end, it all wraps up nice and neat. Uh, Santa Claus rides off into the sunset. I guess flies off into the moonrise. I don't know. Fly, flies off into the clouds. Ho, ho, ho. Merry Christmas. And uh, yeah, it's a, it's a fun movie. Again, not a ton, of spo- not a ton to spoil here, uh, but I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, it's like, oh, it's one of those ones where it kind of gets me because it's like, oh, you could be like you're good, but you could have been great. You could have been a contender. So that's my uh, final thoughts on it. Let me know what your thoughts are either on patreon.com slash binge movies below this episode or on Twitter at binge movies, as long as Twitter exists, or we're also on Instagram. Follow us there uh, because Twitter is day by day folks. So it's at binge movies lives. Uh, we're also letterbox letterbox.com slash binge movies uh, until next time. Binge on. 